When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 291 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles. Joined via satellite, I've always wanted to say that, by Willie Saylor. He's not actually via satellite, but... It's not even satellite. It's not even satellite, it's just a cell phone. But, you know, whenever you watch the Today Show, it says via satellite, you know it's super professional. Um, So it's me and Kyle and Willie over the cell phone. And we have no uh, wrestling nomad. He is stranded in Minnesota. Um... So yeah, it's just us two. And what a week we just had in wrestling. Beat the streets in the books. I was there. Now I was at World Team Trials. And it was also Double awesome. Duty. Double duty. Bader and I did the did the back to back. And I guess should we start with Beat the Streets, yeah, Willie? Yeah, start. Let's start with Beat the Streets. Willie, are you there? Yeah, let's start with Beat the Streets. I'll tell you, I missed the the trials, and it's like. Dude, it's the first, like, big major thing I missed in a long time. And uh, due to the wonders of the Internet and Flow Wrestling, I was able to watch everything. But I'll tell you what, I really missed the, the, the bonding and the story, story time. You guys, these guys come back with all these stories, these inside jokes, and I don't get it. That was what I missed the most. Dude, I, I'm, without getting into too many details, Wild Bill's... What was it called? Wild Bills? Wild Bills. Uh, I don't know. Just Wild Bills in Rochester, Minnesota. If you are ever in Rochester, it's the place to be. It is definitely the place to be. Um, so, yeah. Why don't we get started? Beat the Streets happened. Uh, the mats won, according to Willie. The mats were the, uh, an unfortunate topic of discussion throughout the entire thing. And it was a couple matches in, and you could realize there's a major problem here. The mats are slipping and sliding all over the place. The guys are losing footage. Jordan Burroughs is down blocking and literally falling over himself. It was really a, a really crazy situation. And it was kind of, it did, but it, the cool part is it definitely did not overshadow the wrestling. So I don't know which match you want to start with. For me, 
Kyle Snyder versus Renato Salas Perez was incredible. And I'm, I'm curious to what made this match so competitive. Um, I want, did Kyle maybe underestimate Salas a little bit? Did um, maybe just Salas brought his A game? Because we've seen Salas, like, you know, we just watched him wrestle with Kyle Snyder, a really close match, and he got tech fought by Ty Walls, like, a month or two ago. So, like, you never know which version of Salas you're going to get necessarily, but to see him come out to an 8-1 lead was, was pretty concerning. Yeah, I don't know what all went into it. Um, he's an enigma. Uh, like, we, we said all before, all of us, the consensus was Kyle's going to roll this dude up. Kyle's going to shoot and he's going to score. Kyle's going to wear him down. Kyle's going to push him out. Um, and Salas, at least early, wasn't having any of it. I mean, <laughs> we, we've seen Kyle lose matches and we've seen Kyle. Um, have some close matches, but we didn't. We ain't never seen Kyle throw for four. No. Um, well, it's been a. It's definitely been a while. I think the the most surprising part, actually, the the counter, the second exchange was not especially surprising, right? It was like it, you could kind of see how that developed. I couldn't believe how easily Salas ran behind him on that drag go behind and then immediately gutted him. Um, for two points, mm-hmm. making it 4-0, that to me, or actually 4-1, that to me was maybe one of the most surprising things because you just don't see guys just run behind Kyle Snyder. Um, it's really rare. And then we haven't seen him gutted. I don't think we've seen Kyle Snyder gutted since the 2016 <laughs> Olympic trials against Barner. I mean, if anyone else can find another instance of him getting turned, uh, remind me. I don't, I don't I've watched recall. basically every was... match he's wrestled. I haven't seen it. That was like freakish because you know I, I always say about a guy being smaller and this and that and Salas coming up from 86 looking doughy I mean he threw Kyle he gunned Kyle like it wasn't no thing he must be freakishly strong yeah I mean I think there's little question about that and then the second exchange like it was Snyder came up working for a score and was just in bad position and, and you could kind of see how that one materialized <laughs> just pushing for points got put on his back for for four making it eight one and then he just starts chipping away he got shoot i want to say three step outs after yeah. that to make it to make it eight four and they started getting his takedowns going um running he got behind. a takedown there at the end of the first period that was big he made it eight three going mm-hmm. into the break i think it was actually two step outs was it i thought he got a takedown i re i rewatched it this morning i'm pretty sure it was actually just two step outs okay. but it was eight three at the turn and then now remember what at the first the first Snyder point was actually on a lost challenge where mm-hmm. uh, Perez almost had an um, explosion. I think it was the right call. I don't know really why they even challenged it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, I guess, you know, two points would have made a difference in the match. And, but the thing is, the, the exchange happened right in front of them. And it was, right. it was definitely close. But t- to me, he definitely didn't expose. And that, they got the call right there. So I think that was probably the... Know, the correct call there and then he just storms back he ends up able to finish a couple of his leg attacks and runs around at the end I think it was a go behind for the go ahead takedown and you know just it's amazing as as good as as good as Kyle Snyder is and when he gets down early and he's going into the break um and Salas has a, a big lead you knew the path the path was 
if Kyle can wear him down in the second period. And it's sort of amazing. I mean, it's amazing that Snyder can come back from that. Yeah. And it's also very kind of crazy that Salas has been on the senior level for a gazillion years, and with a five- or six-point lead, he can't at least manage the match. Well, it, it, was, it was funny to me. Our uh, chief creative officer, Ray, who's not a wrestling guy but knows that he was watching, he was like, do these foreigners, do they not do cardio? Do they just not, like, train hard? How do they all get tired? And I was like, no, they really don't. They do not focus on that mm -hmm. aspect of wrestling. It's all about the skill and, and stuff like that. And they kind of look down on it. And it's so, it's like one of these, it's like, you know, we just talked about Beck Bulatov, him kind of laughing. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. he dies on the mat at Euros. Kyle Snyder storms back uh, from an 8-1 deficit. Is it not painfully obvious the importance of, like, cardiovascular conditioning and, like, stressing your body in training? And, and look what you're able to do. But they really don't. It's just not an important thing to them. They think they should be able to win different ways, and in many ways they can, but then they hit an American that's better conditioned and it falls apart for them. So, yeah, it's in one way, I get what you're saying, Willie. It's like it's crazy that he can't figure out how to manage that match, but at the same time, it's like, man, we just see these guys melt down yeah. frequently. I don't, I don't understand why it is like part of the international wrestling ethos to not train hard. Or not that they don't train hard, but they don't train with the proper specificity to wrestle six minutes straight against someone really good. Yeah, well, I heard, um, you know, throughout the years, that was sort of the mantra of um, the Europeans, is that when they would talk about rule changes and they would talk about uh, the different ways matches would be set up, you know, one of their things was this isn't an endurance contest. This is a contest of skill. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we went, maybe the United States went through a period where we, you know, coming out of that Gable era, um, maybe we went through a period where we were the toughest, most conditioned athletes, but, just, but our skill wasn't really there. Uh, maybe we're getting to a point now where we have the conditioning and we have the skill. I think that's I think that's exactly what's happening. I mean, you look at, I mean, just watching World Team Trials. I know we weren't facing international competition, but I mean, look at the pace in which Dayton Fix was able to wrestle for six minutes, two times against mm -hmm. Tony Ramos, um, and combine mm -hmm. that with his skill. I think Zahid. Yeah, Zahid, and not just against Dake, uh, just throughout this his his run here. I mean, th through NCAs, the guy just shoots for seven minutes yeah. straight. He just only attacks. He's only threatening so I think the science and behind the training and getting cardiovascularly where you can just be on the attack so consistently is just there right and now we have great mm -hmm. coaches in America these kids are being coached by really good guys at a young age and when you combine that they're gonna they're really big threats in international competition it's I mean it's incredible to see and I, I think we're kind of accidentally segueing to the youth movement in wrestling and maybe we can hold that for later but we're seeing more and more of these young guys are ready to compete right now i mean freaking dayton is still junior eligible we saw gable stevenson he is actually a first year junior i believe um so it's incredible yep, 17 yeah he's 17 not even 18 yet my gosh and he's right there to beat um but we'll get to that we'll get to that how about before before we transition from the 
from the Kyle Snyder match. Thoughts on Kyle's um, open aggression against Nike and really other brands, you know, the, the slippage, oh, yeah. the slippage I mean, was a major topic of, of conversation throughout. And he said, hey, he was wearing Nikes. He was slipping. I wasn't. I think there's a difference. Yeah. Um, the A few of the athletes gave really good, candid interviews. Um, and I, it took Kyle, if you watch the full interview, it took Kyle a little bit to compose himself. Um, we kind of, to be honest, as soon as they were done, we were kind of in their face with the camera. They had to like, I don't know if it was that. I don't know if they was, you know, Kyle was still composing himself or he was kind of, I don't know, trying to gain his composure after this match that was, wasn't really supposed to be close, but was really close. Um, so we talked about that a bit. Oh, you, you, um, you know, you felt that he was kind of trying to, get his thoughts together and it was a really kind of quirky beginning to the interview but then he, he kind of got he said I'll, I'll be the better I'll be the worst next time I always um, I always make improvements uh, when I wrestle a guy second second time around but then he threw some shade at Nike saying you know you saw who was slipping um, I don't know Christian what did you make of it I, I mean He's been openly, I mean, it's it's a unique approach, right? Like, Jordan Burroughs is with, with ASICs, right? And he reps ASICs and, you know, does all that stuff. But it's not like, I'm not with Nike. I'm not with um, Adidas, et cetera. Um, but Kyle, you know, he tweeted a week or two ago, like, we're coming. And it's like, at Nike, at ASICs, at Adidas, like, it's open like we are coming to compete with you we are coming into this space we're taking over um it's that really aggressive strong language that you don't really see around branding and wrestling it's like you, has kyle snyder talked that much trash or that been that openly aggressive about another wrestler in his entire career he's more like yeah i mean i don't think he has pretty usually... aggressive towards penn state this year yeah but he said there's no team i want to destroy more yeah that's true um, but no, I but it wasn't so specific, right? Right, I may, and maybe it's because they don't have that like brand name, like a Nike or Asics or Adidas, and well, they're I, taking I think, that aggressive approach. Yeah, I think that it's probably because Kyle got stake in the company. This just isn't, isn't a, an endorsement deal for him. This is a this is a business for him, right? Um, yeah. That that kind of, that kind of separates some things too. For sure, but I think that would be true. I mean, not that he would have stake in Nike, but I think there, there, he would have major skin in the game no matter which brand he gets. But I guess from where Rudis is in the in the wrestling space, you can assume that like yeah, this is their approach, and they feel like they're this is the angle they're gonna take to continue to improve their their footing in wrestling. So it's it's interesting to watch. I was. Intrigued. Obviously, I don't have any issue with it. Improve their footing. That was, that was a nice line. What did you guys think oh. of uh, the shoes? I know we said they were prototypes and they're going to change, but what did you guys think of the looks? Classic prototypes. I thought they were. I thought they looked sharp. I did too. I mean, um, less is more. That's kind of my approach, and uh, I thought they were cool. I'm sure. Uh, to me, 
all I'm worried about is the functionality, right? Yeah. If if they're, I'm I'm sure they'll sell well if they're functional, and if they're not, they won't. Um, but yeah, I think they're fine. He really liked them. Ben Askren, who would not, I know Ben certainly has skin in the game with Rudis, but he would never. He said these shoes are great. I don't think he would have said that if he didn't really believe it. So, um, yeah, definitely interesting. I, I'm loving the. Um, Asics, Nike, Adidas, Rudis, Dynamic, and uh, I like talking about. It. I don't know if other people are, are bored by it, but I think it's, I think it's definitely something that should be talked about, and I think it's something that's exciting in the sport. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> competition's good, and the competition to sign the athletes is good. You know, it's good for our, it's good for the athletes, it's yeah. good for the sports economy. Um, uh, frankly, it's good for us and every other media outlet as well because if they're going to try to get the product out there and have these brand wars then they're going to advertise but um chris ball said something in interesting chris ball um is the head of aps that runs nike wrestling and he said something interesting to us at uh the u.s open and he said that he said that nike has a big brand and would have nike would have added to kyle's brand. Nike would have added to Kyle's brand mm -hmm. equity. And with Rudis, Rudis, Kyle is adding to Rudis's brand equity, right? Yeah. So it makes sort of sense that Kyle is out in front of everything trying to build that brand. Yeah, that's a really good point. Interesting way of looking at it. Um, let's get to Burroughs. But the, the wrestlers... I'm oh, sorry. No, I was just say uh, maybe we can circle back, but get on to some other matches. We're 18 minutes in, and we're on. Spend five yeah. minutes on shoes. Um, so the, the athletes. A, a lot of times you do these interviews, and um, it's really run of the mill, ho hum. Let's you know they're going to say this similar things, but you know J O Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder, they gave some really enlightening things, and there was things, you know, there was there was interesting angles that just weren't on the mat. Um, so maybe we talk about um, Jordan Burroughs, yeah. his match against Chimizo, and then talk about what he said afterwards. Yeah, and, and, and teeing it up, when we asked him, Bader asked him in the press conference beforehand, hey, what do you think about Chimizo trains in America at a USA Wrestling RTC, what do you think about that? Um, and he's like, oh, no, whatever, he can train there, he doesn't have as good partners as I do, etc. And I was like... I know that Jordan doesn't feel this way. Why? But then mm -hmm. after he beats, he has an amazing comeback. I mean, he slip and slide. And at this point, it still is exciting every time he does it. But with Jordan, there, there's no lead that's safe. There's no scenario where you're like, oh, he hasn't been here before. What's he, how is he going to do it? He just figures out ways to win these matches. He was down, he was down 4-0, right? Right out the gate. And the the single leg it was crazy and Jordan perfectly spoke to w what happened there he gets in on a beautiful single leg and Chimizo is just so cool he is just like it's like he's relentless like just giving the takedown and Jordan kind of sloppily just comes around the waist and boom he attacks that other leg and it's like whoa it's on and this guy's really tough to finish on he's able to get up 4-0 there he, he hit him with that slide by first and then there were a couple of huge exchanges for me, I think one the biggest one is when I think it was the second period, Chimizo got in on a single leg and he looked to um, go like 
like Barzagar finish, running that double, and Burroughs ends up in the splits, able to defend and not give up that takedown. It was, to me, one of the biggest exchanges uh, of that. And then, of course, the counter was all time. And then the double leg, it had been kind of dormant throughout that match. He just blows through him at the end. And Chimizo was clearly another foreigner that is tired. Um, he took his time getting back to the yes, middle Yes, he there. did. Classic shoe adjustment. Uh, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> Burroughs got it done. Yeah. You know, um, I thought, now, maybe I'm a biased American, but with the, with the conditions of the mat, and, and, and by the time that Chimizo and, and Burroughs and, and J.O. and Azarov got up, we knew that this, wasn't, this was a problem that was going <laughs> to yeah. be, a, be a factor and it wasn't going to go away. Um, but maybe I'm a biased American in that I think that the mat conditions hurt Jordan Burroughs and Jordan Oliver more than they did their opponents because they drive off that back foot. Their, their offense is predicated on, on, mm -hmm. on that movement and that, and that forward motion. And I'll tell you what, I, I thought in natural conditions, in normal conditions, yeah, Jordan Burroughs, he has magic, and he will come back. But at that under the conditions that we were wrestling, I'm like, how is he going to come back? He can't penetrate. He can't take a forward shot. And so when he hit that double, I was like, <laughs> how did he pull that off? I, uh, Mike or someone else, a better wrestler, could probably describe it. But the motion of that double looked a little different, or like he made an adjustment in the moment. And that's something we've seen Burroughs do year in and year out. He makes adjustments. He deals with the adversity. He finds a way to, to score. Um, yeah, I was, I was surprised that he had the confidence to push off like that. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't know, but Jordan's amazing. So let's let's talk about the the what we kind of alluded to in his post match interview, Frank. What mm -hmm. and and he said it in so many words. He feels a little. He is not comfortable with the idea that Burroughs and the, or that Chimizo trains in America, trains in New York City. Um, you know, Kendall Cross, an Olympic champion for America, was in his corner. Wearing a Team Chimizo yeah. shirt. Wearing a Team Chimizo shirt. That, I know that did not sit well with uh, Burroughs' coach. Yeah, and I think, um, I think like you said, he, he didn't say anything in the press conference when asked. He, he, he really wasn't that pointed. But I think it worked on him throughout the event, and I think, I think it came to a point where, yes, I'm going to be more vocal about this. Because... Um, Leading up to the event, I mean, I even had conversations with Brian Snyder, who was like, what do you think about, this is like weeks before, what do you think about, um, you know, USA benefactors bringing Chimizo to live and train and they're funding him and, you know, he's going to be wrestling against Americans, whether it's James Green or, or Jordan Burroughs or whoever. Yeah. And so that was, that was definitely... That was definitely um, a topic of conversation in Lincoln, right? So then, then Burroughs goes to beat the streets. Then they have a special weigh-in rule that they never had before. Oh, yeah. We didn't even get into that. And so they're changing things up. And then, so, so Burroughs was trying to be respectful. And there's a lot of, a lot of fans that are like, man, I, I never heard these things come out of Jordan's mouth before this type of thing and they, they, they asked about well when the match was over Jordan said 
why don't you just go back down, right? And so they were like, man, I don't know if that was very sportsmanlike, but think about think about the narrative of this, right? First, Chimizo's coming to train uh, in America. Dave Barry, Dave Barry, who is a big thing and beat the streets, by the way. Then they're having a special wrestle-off. Then, then Chimizo, I mean, not a special wrestle-off, special Wait. wedding. Then Chimizo makes a comment on the mat conditions after the mat. And so I think all these things built up to where Jordan was a little bit more vocal. Yeah. And, I mean, let's get to the actual thing. The actual thing is, should USA, uh, USA Wrestling supporters be funding a foreign wrestler who is the number one threat to our 70-kilogram guy and, in my opinion, the number one threat to our 74-kilogram I don't care if he lost to Demirtashi Euros. That's the guy, that's the best wrestler at 74 not named Jordan Burroughs. And to me, I think, yeah, I think maybe it's, it's a situation you put your foot down. I don't think there's, I don't have an issue, okay, you bring a guy in, oh, a, cu a couple Russians in, a, some foreigners, you know, Kerbalan Aliyev's come. We go and train in Russia. Russians come train over here. Maybe occasionally for a week, Chimizo comes and trains. But the amount of time that I think Chimizo is spending in New York training here, I, I think there's a line there. And it's, it's definitely gray. It's not like a specific, okay, two weeks is too much, but one week is fine. I think there's a line. I think it's getting crossed here with this guy. I don't want him getting better on, by supported by American money, right? Is that not right? Right. That's how I feel. I, I agree 100 percent with you. I mean, listen, Dave Barry does a lot for wrestling. He does a lot for USA wrestling. He does a lot for Peter Streets and the kids. And I'm not, I'm not at all going to talk about uh, oh, cross no. about Dave for sure. Barry. But, but I think it's. I think this is going a little too far. I think. Maybe he should, uh, I don't know how you re reconsider because you already brought the guy over. So he's paying for Chimizo to live here and train here, and he's paying him like, you know, an RTC athlete and probably more handsomely than an RTC, a run-of-the-mill RTC athlete. I mean, he's living in New York City. Um, so, yeah, why would you why would you want him to train guys to beat Americans? I think you're right, that is a line that's being crossed, and, and it probably didn't, you know, Jordan's in the warm-up area before the match, and, and Kendall Cross, the American legend, Olympic champion, is wearing a foreigner team t-shirt. Yeah, and you know, Andy, Andy Rovac coaches Dave Habit. He coached against an American uh, at Worlds last year against St. Rutherford. So it, it's happening. It's not mm -hmm. something that, um, you know, you see all the time, but... Man, I, I I don't know why this particular one really bothers me. It doesn't bother me that, and I can't explain it. You can say it's a double standard. I don't care that Dave Habit is coached by Michigan Wrestling and he goes to train. And I don't care yet that Stevan Micic is training here. I, I guess when they become right. threats, like true threats, when when Habit's a threat to Zane and when Stevan's a threat to Cologne and Nishan, which he may be for all we know, um, or at 57 against Gilman or Fix, whoever comes out. Then I'll be like, yeah, okay, I don't know how I feel about this, but um, right now that doesn't bother me. It didn't bother me. Gomez is another guy. Gomez, yeah. I mean, Franklin Gomez, he outplaced us at 2011 World Championships when he made the World Finals, and um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know why that didn't that didn't bother me, but this one does, and 
Right, that's true. You know, G Gomez and Habit and, um, yeah, Micic, they're Americans who defected. He's a Cuban who wrestles for Italy. There's no connection other than he's he's a wrestler, right? So I, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't like it. Um, I don't know if this is a situation where USA Wrestling even can or should get involved, but I can openly say I don't think we should be funding this guy's training when he beat our guy in the world finals last year, um, which could have cost us, which could have cost us yeah. um, the world title. If Sajulayev beats Snyder, you know, there, I mean, there's a ton of scenarios you could say uh, fit that, but that's definitely one of them. And uh, I love, yeah. Ch Chimilio is my favorite, I'll say this, he's my favorite non-American wrestler, maybe ever, right? I love the guy, I love his spirit. I love watching him wrestle and I have for years, but that doesn't mean I want him to beat Americans. He, I do not root for him against Jordan Burrs or James Green. So for that reason, he can. You want to be an Italian? Go it, train it over there. Should have been the loser leaves town match. It like should I've been saying. As soon as he lost, <laughs> he should have left town. He He's lost, still in New York. He should lose his New York privileges. It should go. It should be like Pulp Fiction. But they didn't want to go that route, <laughs> um, and that's fine. That's fine. So, yeah, that's crazy, Christian. I didn't even really think about that. I'm, I mean, the margin of victory last year for the world team title was razor thin. And imagine a scenario in where we lost by a point or two. And Chimizo, and getting Chimizo better was the difference in America winning the team title. Yeah, yeah. And, and Bernard, it didn't really bother me then. And I don't know how much he was training there last year. Um, it wasn't really a topic of conversation at that point, but it definitely is now. And, um, you know, moving forward, we'll see how much he's here in America. But what an amazing match. What an amazing atmosphere. Beat the Streets every year delivers. Amazing event for an amazing cause. And uh, I thought it was, I hope everyone got to listen to speeches from the kids that were, were involved with Beat the Streets because I thought they were freaking inspirational and incredible. So. There were some people tweeting us that it, it didn't seem the same not being in Times Square, but I thought the setting was pretty awesome. It was cool. To me, I liked it more than Times Square, Willie. Um, I don't know I don't know if you agree, but I thought the setting was actually in a way like more New York, like with the skyline and the Brooklyn Bridge, yeah. bridge by the water. Um, and for us workflow-wise, not that anyone cares, it, it was better. It was better for us. We were able to do a lot more where just things in Times Square, you just are technologically limited, which is a crazy thing to think, but it's true. And uh, I hope, I sincerely hope that they have it there every year. I will, as cool as Times Square is, I pre I preferred it there. I don't know what you thought, Willie. Willie. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I liked it. I liked it on the pier. Um, I don't know if the masking is always going to be a problem there. Um, Especially at that time of day with the humidity, I I don't know. I'm not a weatherman, but it's right it's right on the river, you know. And I got a I got a DM from Air Force. Wow. Um, this is big. <laughs> no, I got it. So I didn't know that it was going to be a problem the whole night. The mat, right? So I I tweet, man, that's really slippery. And then I tweet again, like, man, the mat's continuing to be slippery. And we have to wash it off. Or we have to dry it off more. And Air Force DM'd me, and they were like, "Last year, we wrestled Fresno State on an aircraft carrier, and there's nothing you can do. You can walk, you can wipe it down as many times as you want. It's going to be an issue the whole time." Yeah, yeah. Izzy Silva, shout out Izzy. 
Silverback Train um, was telling me, they had tell me about that as well. Okay, anything, I, I do wanna mention, we saw, just briefly, Beat the Streets. Dake ran through his guy. Jaden figured out a way to beat Caralta, who's really tough guy, tough to score on. Um, Pat Glory teching Gavin Teasdale. Glory's supposed to be a freestyle novice, teched a multiple world team member. That was surprising to me, I thought. Mm -hmm. um, thought you favor there, but man, I think we're just seeing the progression in Pat Glory as well. And I think he's gonna wrestle right away for Princeton. I think he's ready to go. I think he's gonna be an instant impact. And I think we'll, I think we'll see Gavin too. And I think, you know, I'm not uh, bearish on him either. I think Gavin's gonna be just fine. Once he's there, training routinely at Penn State, um, I think it's gonna be helpful for him. I don't know if there's any other matches of note. Obviously, Helen took care of Adekaroye as we expected. Um, but beyond that, not Someone asked on Facebook, uh, details on the special weigh-in. Oh, Do you yeah. want to get into that? I'll get into it real briefly. Beat the Streets is always like plus three or so. It's, it's, you get a decent, decent um, allowance. And additionally, it's the day before. And everyone weighed in the day before except Burroughs and Chimizo. Bur Chimizo requested it. And apparently Burroughs didn't find out till like the weekend before that they were weighing in that day. And, you know, Burroughs was like, you know, it's not game changer. It's just an inconvenience for me. And I don't want to do it. I'm going to beat him either way. But, man, it is definitely um, interesting that they were that. And plus, I think, yeah, he was at 70 kilograms last year and he's coming up in weight. But can we stop acting like he was at 70 kilograms this year? He's been wrestling at 74 exclusively. So it's not like he's coming up for this match, especially. It wasn't like Seth Gross weighing in at 133 and wrestling Bryce Meredith at 141. This dude's been at 74, okay? And I think right. he's, per he's adequately sized. He's not, to me, he was not that much smaller than Burroughs. Burroughs is definitely more um, cut and strong looking, but that's, I mean, you saw that at the end of the match. Yeah, because he's, he's in better shape. Um, so I, I think, I think it's overplayed that Burroughs had this massive size advantage to begin with. Um, so yeah, that was the special way on way in details, and it was definitely strange. And I think, uh, I think yeah, I mean, if you're gonna come up, come up, right? If yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna come up with that hedge and make excuses, then I don't know, figure something out. Yeah, go go back down to seventy, bro. Um, it's up to you, yeah. but he's not. I don't think he's going back down. Uh, personally, now. That was beat the streets. Maybe we can. We, well, we, one one last thing. Can I say something? Yeah. One last thing about beat the streets. Um. I, I I'm like always been the biggest Jo fan because uh you know I've known him for a long time and everything and, and he's from Eastern, but I you know I, a re, I'm a realist and and uh, there are things in the past that Jo hasn't done right and. And there, I think, I think sometimes, or for, for a period of time, his attitude wasn't maybe the best. You know, you get that that ego. I'm good. I do what I want to do, right? I the, the post match interview with Jordan and just his expression and just uh, the way he carries himself the last six months, I think he's in a really good place. Like it, it, in that interview and, and just talking to him off camera. He accepts responsibility for everything. He's not making excuses. He's not pissing and moaning. Yeah. He's not saying the world is against me. I mean, he still says that a little bit. Um, 
but but he he owns it more than he used to, right? He seems like a much more responsible kid than he was in the past. Yeah, I mean, I I think he seems like Cornell is a great environment for him. I think Cooperman's been good for him. I think Kyle Dake is good for him. And I think there's uh, it, that's reciprocal. I think he's good for Dake as well. Um, Dake reportedly really loves training and wrestling with him uh, on a daily basis. So I think it's just a good fit for him and. Um, everything's in line for Jordan and you know he's gonna be a force next year I'm assuming he's gonna be a 65 uh, that seems right although there are many tournaments he'd enter at 65 and then he'd be four it'd be like an overseas one and then you know he wrestles at 70 so night before day of weigh-ins now I don't know if that changes but you have to figure 65 is the way yeah I, I'll tell you I never <laughs> man years ago at a U.S. Open, maybe three or four years ago, um, he made weight with like one minute to go, you know, and that was the day before. And like now that the weigh-ins are um, what they are, I'm like, he is not going to be able to make 65. He's going to struggle. He's going to say he's going to make 65, then he's going to run into problems. Um, he it looks like he it looks like he leaned his body down. He looks smaller, so. I don't think it's going to be the easiest thing in the world, but I'm more hopeful than I was in the past. World Team Trials uh, went down this week, and we had juniors and then seniors as well. Um, on the junior side, you know, we saw some dominant performance. I mean, our four of our last five weights are just out of this world. You're going to go Aaron Brooks and Lou Dupre, and then you're going to go um, Jacob Warner, Daniel Kirkfleet, and Gable Stevenson. And, you know, if Dayton doesn't make the team and – senior level and, and he'll ultimately make the junior team after that man that this could be a fire team for for team usa i don't know if anyone particularly stood out to you beyond those guys willie um i think there's a lot we can talk to junior wise i don't know how much we want to get into today but um yeah i think you have to feel pretty good about the squad yeah um i thought i thought we might be hurting it at uh 57, but I tell you, Brandon Courtney looks really good. You know, Brandon Courtney lost to um, Dayton in the trials finals last year, so uh, he was right there last year, and he looks better than ever this year. Um, Gomez Jeez. just missed the team last year, um, uh, and our upper weights are fire. We're going to end with, you know, we're going to end with Warner, Kurtzfleet, and Gable, so we'll be fine. We'll be excellent there. Um, I think we can really push for another team title. It's going to be tight. Uh, I think it depends what we get in the middle. Um, I think it depends what we get with Demas and, and Bergie and those guys. Um, Makai Lewis. Well, one of the biggest stories, I thought, um, was a guy who didn't win. That's Andrew O'Leary. Yeah, I was super impressed with him. And, you know, he came, he texts Nick Lee. In like 40 seconds. Literally, single-legged. Place match over, and then he om he wins match one against he Demas. Demas, smashed Quick. him, and then Demas just made a couple adjustments. And for I, I credit Dom and I credit um, you know the coaching staff there. They, they shut down his leg attacks, yeah. and Demas just rolled from there. It really, it was a tale of it was completely different matches. Demas won the next two pretty convincingly, in my opinion. Dom Demas apparently going to make all world teams this year he's gonna he's 
got a shot to be on the Greco team. He's in the finals there. Just made juniors. He's mm-hmm. entered U23s. Um, so yeah. Nogi Beach Worlds coming up. I think he's going to give it a shot. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's so, the middle way. Yeah, so, Aliras, I think he took a lot of people by surprise. A lot of people didn't know him beforehand. And there's two sides of the coin to it. Uh, he is the highest returning senior at the weight class in, in, in high school. So, I mean, in other words, He'll when the seniors are removed, he would – he would be number one, but so it's like okay, he, you know, he's not a complete surprise. But you're talking about a kid that did not place in Akron last year. He lost to Decatur by Tech on the front side, and he lost in the blood round to Bo Bartlett, and then he went to Fargo and took seventh in junior. So um, he is really good, but that's an amazing jump in a year. Yeah, yeah, I was I was impressed with him. I don't know if we want to get into any of the officiating, but my mind is still pretty broken over the Marinelli Lewis caution and one that they gave at the beginning of the second period. I don't know if you remember that, Willie. I don't remember if you saw it, but it was it was as I, I remember when it happened. I was like, oh wow, that's bad. Then I went back and rewatched it. It's actually worse. It's worse than I could have ever imagined. And I know I guess it's a point of emphasis. But I really felt like they reined it in from day one juniors to day two and three. It was not near as apparent, but it still, you know, really hurt Alex Marinelli in that moment. Yeah, I thought it was goofy. I thought, like, I wasn't going to bring up, but after Beat the Streets, or as I'm watching Beat the Streets, I'm like, we got to talk about officiating. And then I calmed down a little bit, and I was like, I don't bring it up. But you brought officiating up. So I, my point about Beat the Streets is I thought it was completely homerific. I thought there was a ton of calls that um, just insulated Americans. I, I didn't like to see that. I don't even know if we needed them, but you are, you don't want to see it become... Which, which matches are you talking today. about? There was a lot of there was a lot of calls. Like man. what? Um, a lot of finger fight. Like, did J.O. not get a penalty point? Um, he did. And yeah. so did Helen. Listen, Kyle got a penalty point. J.O. got a penalty point. Um, Kyle got a penalty point? Don't believe. Do not believe so. Kyle's not. No. I just rewatched the match this morning. I'm I'm pretty sure there were a lot of points, but they were all step outs and takedowns. And he got Um, got the chance. Maybe Kyle didn't. Um, I thought... I thought the, the who went on the clock. I thought was a little iffy. Uh, Helen got. I, did Helen not get a penalty point? She did. Um, I thought that, that the passivity is in the stop aboard a doo-doo match. I, I just it was just slanted. It was slanted, American. Um, anyway, back to the trials. I thought the officials got way too involved. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, there was, like, from Jump Street, too. Like, they blow the whistle. I'm telling you, seven seconds into the match, they were blowing the whistle and, like, telling them to stop, I don't know, doing something. Um, I I remember uh, Max Murin, Max Murin was on the shot clock, and he's trying to get a takedown, and, like, they, they stopped the match with eight seconds left on the shot clock, 
to be like, uh, you know, watch the hands to the head or something. Like, he's trying to get a takedown on the shot clock. Yeah, the involvement was, it, it was crazy. I, th I saw a lot of, you know, hey, what, the referees are stopping action to promote action. It, it is counterintuitive. I agree with that. I think there are way too many stoppages. There were t I, I forget which match it was in the flow. I think it was Salas Snyder where they were scrapping and, and Kyle was getting them moving. And they just they just stop it for a simple warning. or so. I said it on the broadcast <laughs> with Bader. I think it was the first day of juniors. I never thought I'd say... I miss the days when they smacked the hands for interlocking fingers. But I miss that. I wish that that's what they did now. As stupid as that is, it is better than them stopping and penalizing and all this. And the thing with a finger fight is it is impossible for you to, not impossible. To, how do you know who initiated it? Because Alex Marinelli, Alex Marinelli had his left hand up before the period started. And Makai Lewis's hand, they, they interlocked, right? And to, to really prove intent, it, you're, you're, you're basically saying we can read minds, right? And while I think it's pretty obvious actually that Lewis initiated that finger fight, I, I would never advocate giving Lewis a caution in one in that scenario. Two seconds in, give them a moment to kind of break out of it. Yeah, it shouldn't be a caution in a point, and I tweeted that <laughs> after that match, and then people were like, well, why don't you just teach wrestlers not to do that? It's like, it's pretty hard not to end up in that position at some point in a match and you're not intentionally trying to do it or trying to hurt the person or slow them down. It just happens sometimes. Is, is just let them work through it. They'll get through it. Marinelli was down 4-2. Marinelli was down 4-2 at that point. Does it actually, if you actually know wrestling, does it benefit him to slow the match down with a finger fight there while he's trailing? Does that make any sense at all? It makes no sense. It's not, it doesn't behoove him to slow things down with a finger fight. Um, and that wasn't the only instance. The the Carr-Bergy match was... was brutally officiated and I think Berge may have won that match outright but the takedown that they gave uh, Berge not when he was in a quad pod I, I, can't, I can't I don't understand how that was given and the caution in one listen for sure Berge was the aggressor there but you got to go attention there first to hit a straight caution in one right you cannot just the guy's defending a leg attack and you throw up that point to, to me it was over involved, let the wrestlers figure it out, hit them with an attention. But you can't, it, it, you do not want to see wrestling called that way. And I thought it, I thought it improved. I feel like maybe they didn't, but I feel like it was addressed going into the day two and three because it was the same officials, yeah, it was same the same people, yeah. and I thought they were less involved, which I think well, is, a, good. is a good thing. I, I did see improvement that's there. That's good if they made adjustments. I, you know, I don't know. I, I thought the officiating. The officiating of the actual calls was good. I thought their 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 practice, their system was flawed. Like, like I think that a memo went out and said, "Hey, stop finger fighting early. Mm -hmm. Hey, interject early." They they just interjected too much. The only call that I really well, there was a Marinelli call on the edge. I think that was goofy. And then the uh, the Ironman Stever call was not right, but. For the most part, they yeah. called the right calls, but but the one where Ironman like pivots on his head, he's never out of bounds. At no point, no, it was just a straight up back. How did they look at that? I don't even want to get into it. Let's get into the wrestling um, before I get on another one. Um, starting with 57 kilograms, Dayton Fix runs through Clamara and Sanders. 
and it sets the stage. Zane Tony Richards and Zane Richards. Yeah, he had three matches, or did I just invent one? I'm pretty sure he tagged Zane Richards. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Okay, so he beat yeah, those he guys. Did. You're right. You're right, Kyle. I just, I just don't, don't remember that. Um, <laughs> so then he's got Tony, and I think we're gonna look back and think, wow, Dayton kind of handled Tony. And it's true in match two. Match number one was really, really close. And Tony, mm -hmm. and it was what we said Dayton can't do. The scenario Dayton can't get in is late match. You cannot be in a scenario where Tony's within striking distance, where he needs a two or a one, because Tony's just almost automatic there. And I think it speaks more to Dayton and his progression that, you know, it was Tony getting through the lock twice. He got to his single leg. And he was able to kick out the one time, I believe. And then the second time, he was able to turn it into his own points. I think that leg defense of Dayton, I think that was a revelation to me. And as well as his adaptability, they clearly came out and said, we're going to use this, and we're not going to go exclusive with it, but we're going to use a left side underhook, which go back and find the match where Dayton's worked out of, a, out of an underhook exclusively that much or try to get to it that much. I don't remember seeing it. I've been watching this kid for a while now. I don't have a recollection of him trying to wrestle out of that position. I, I thought, I thought that Dayton was like a complete surprise. To be honest with you, I mean, one of the, one of the, the book on Dayton, right, is that he's pretty good with the slide by his leg attacks. Aren't uh, he? Doesn't have a whole lot of leg attacks. He doesn't have a whole lot of diversity. Um, he comes out with an underhook, a very aggressive underhook to a push-out, I don't know, 20 seconds into the match. And you're like, where did that come from? And he went, he used it a couple more times. His leg defense was great. He looked a whole lot better on reattacks. Um, and so, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think Dayton before this tournament is one guy, and Dayton, I mean, if you're scouting him, he's a different guy now. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think, I don't know if I view it that way. I think his U.S. Open final was just like a learning experience for him. Like, how do I wrestle this guy? How do I approach him? I think he just came back with all that information, he and his coaches. And then they, I think he just came out more confident in that match. Like, all right, I have a real mm -hmm. plan. I know how Tony feels. Because I think until you wrestle someone of Tony's caliber with his skill set, it's really, you're unsure what it's going to be like. But I think once he's like, okay, I stood in there. I can wrestle with this guy. All right, here's going to be the game plan moving forward. I think so. I think it was just a little more confidence, which is crazy because Dayton's super confident guy. Um, but yeah, he gets it done in two, and um, it sets up the Gilman Dayton fix match that we've been kind of speculating about for a while now. How would this go? And I don't, I don't know if you can. I think we're going to talk about two, like kind of. I think they're apples and oranges. We're going to talk about Zahid smashing Daringer twice. Okay, and Dake had a close match with Ringer. I think we could look too much into that and maybe give Zed more credit than we should, even though he should deserve a lot of credit. And I think similarly, Dayton beating beating Ramos the way he did. I'm not sure what the how that translates into a match with Thomas Gilman. Totally different matchup, right? Yeah, very different skill set. But I do think it is a hat tip to Gilman that they went to that underhook. That was how. Gilman beat, not Howell, Gilman, but that was one of the weapons Gilman used against Tony Ramos. It was that 
underhook left side, and it gave Tony problems. And Tony said in the post-match interview, that was a good game plan by them. And um, sure enough, you see Dayton Fix implemented as well. Um, Christian, the, um, the leg defense where Dayton uh, several, several times kicked out, kicked away, Yeah. Um, do you think that will fly against Gilman? Yeah. I mean, not every yeah, time. I, not I every time, but I think I think that I've seen guys kick out against Gilman. I've seen that before. I, I do. I, I do too. I think that's problematic. If he's got this like Georgian Azari kick out now, that's problematic. Mm -hmm. That's problematic. He's right. gonna have to have a tight grip. I've seen guys kick away from Thomas Gilman. Now, mm -hmm. you know, Gilman could just get a cl his clamps on it and climb up there and finish. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And if Dayton is able to create scrambles off of it like he did against Tony at the end of match one, Gilman's in trouble yep. because he cannot scramble with Dayton. No, no, that's absolutely true. Now, one thing that's interesting, have we seen Thomas Gilman turned in freestyle? Have we seen it? I mean, I, he, that I can he's, been, he's been in positions. I mean, I think it was NATO or someone had him in a lace so tight that it's like, it's almost physically impossible against someone to not get turned, and he didn't. So I'm curious if maybe you say you take that weapon away from Dayton if he can't get a turn. And how about this? So we talked about it uh, after the Zach Sanders match. Dayton's regular gut is really good. Like we yes. talk about his trap arm all the time. He didn't hit his trap arm once against Zach Sanders, and he gutted him three times, and he gutted Tony, uh, Tony with just his regular gut. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a How great point too. He had he had did he have one turn against Tony? One. Yeah. Just a gut. Yeah. And it yeah. was a tra it was a pretty quick transition too. After that, um, inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Inside trip to the gut. So yeah, um, but I think that's almost a credit. It's like man, he didn't even need he didn't even need that. He turn didn't even to beat need Tony. it. Right. Um, so he's not just a top wrestler. I mean, not that he was really viewed that way, but I think just seeing him get wins. Just seeing Dayton win in a variety of and, ways, no I mean, slide by. Like we talked about, no slide by. Did you see that double against Sanders? That was ferocious. Yeah, that was in like sitting there mat side for the matches. Coaches were telling him to go to that against Tony. Mm -hmm. um, like the doubles there, the doubles there, and then we saw him get in on the sweep single. Like he's he's getting better and better. Yeah, I mean he's what eighteen hey, or nineteen. So, so Dayton had uh, Dayton had stitches, right? What what was he? Hitting, what was he touching the back of his head for? It so kept, the wrap kept like coming up, like so he was trying uh, to, uh, he was uh. trying to pull it down so it stayed in place. Gotcha. All right, so sixty-one, Nation. Mm. Nation looked really good attacking. Um, Nation Nation. Nation Nation. I'm telling you what, man. I. <sighs> he, to see him go through the open and the trials without a. I don't know, kind of a nation moment where he just makes a big mistake or whatever. And I know he lost to Cologne in a pretty crazy match, but just seeing him be mistake free and like not giving up his legs. And I guess he and Gross is just going to be a shootout every time. You just have to pencil that in. But to see him kind of control that match in the second half and then really destroy everyone else, I, I think he can be such a problem because what's interesting, one, I didn't see him get turned that much, um, which <laughs> maybe that's not something that is not all that reassuring. 
but his top game is so good because he can transition to lace and his gut wrench is outstanding. So when you combine his leg attacks with his ability to lace and his ability to gut wrench, he is um, absolutely problematic. Now he's Joe Cologne has proven to be a tough matchup for him, and I don't know who you favor moving forward. But my question is, Willie, if you could just pick, who do you want to go to Worlds and represent America? Who would it be? <laughs> That's funny. I was I was waiting for you to finish up, and I was going to ask you the same question. Uh -huh. Who is the better guy? First of all, I, I you know I love everybody at 61 Killing. I love freaking Nico Megalunas. Yeah. But uh, final act, getting to see Cologne Nation after seeing what we saw at the Open, getting to see them maybe three times, at least two, is awesome. Um, <laughs> but that's the question. Who is the better rep? Like. Sometimes the better rep doesn't always win. Uh, who's the better? Like it's like Nation. Is it safe to say? Am I correct in saying Nation is the more explosive offensively, and Cologne is the more savvy all around? Well, I, I think Cologne is super dynamic because he's probably has a better gut wrench than Nation, and you know his upper body stuff. But I think yeah. if he can't force guys around upper body I, I don't know what his like counterpunch to that is to, to me I think mm -hmm. Dayton maybe has more ways to win um, so yeah I, or Nation. I, 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 Dayton. I kind of I kind of lean on to the side of the guy who's I don't know maybe it's this American sentimentality in me but I, I, I kind of lean to the guy who creates his offense himself mm-hmm but but Cologne has that sort of I don't know European it factor where he makes he he wins he makes things happen when you attack him. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a, a very exciting um, best two out of three. Thirty three points at the U.S. Open. That's a lot. Yeah, it's almost as many as LeBron scored last night. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sixty five. Um, man, I. I never thought about this, and someone brought it up to me. It was actually Don Bashana. He's like, Logan on day two is a better, different guy. And I started thinking about it, and he's right. You look at the Open, he did not look good against Ironman. Um, and then he killed everyone on the backside, right? Wrestled back for third, no problem. Same thing at World Cup. Lost to the Japanese guy, who's very good, and that could be injury-related. More than We could be looking into that match way too much. But... He beat Aliyev on day two, no matter what you want to say. That guy just won Euros. Then he almost, I mean, a lot of people say he should have lost to Henderson in that semi-match. I think it was four, but either way, he was down, I think, 6-3 it was, or 6-2. I think, Man, I think he won on criteria. He was down 6-2 with 40 seconds to go. Yeah. Crazy. So then, but then, That was a crazy match. And he gives up that first four to, to Jaden. And you're like, oh boy, this is really a problem. And then I think the more times he got in on Jaden's leg, the more it's just like he was just figuring everything out. And really, Jaden get didn't get close to another takedown or a big exposure that whole series. I think Logan just got a little greedy with that first one, tried to run through it, and that's what Jaden wanted because he has that throw. Yeah. Um, does he ever? But uh, he. Every other time he got on the leg, it was just like smart, methodical finishes. Head wheel, yep. So he uh, righted that wrong. It's going to set up an all-Ohio State match. Uh, Joey McKenna, Logan Stieber. Uh, may the best man win. Seven, or, yes, 
and then 70. Molinero Chamberlain goes three matches, the only one that goes three. Um, and after the second match, I was like, Molinero's got it. I thought he figured yeah. it out. He figured out how to get to his offense. And I just really favored him. I thought the moment, I thought, I really thought it was momentum, but I just thought he, he figured stuff out. But then it was like back to match one. He just could not get to Jason Chamberlain. Jason Chamberlain, I mean, super defensive. Did he take a shot? I'm not sure he took a shot in the three-match series, but what can he say? He does, he wrestles in such a way that I was like, I don't think he can put him on the clock here. I don't think he can hit him for a caution in one here. I really believe that. So for that reason, yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was appropriately officiated, even though I will 100% say Jason Chamberlain was very defensive. He was not on the attack as much. Jason, that Frank Molinaro was far more offensive. And maybe he could have gone on the clock in that second match. But regardless, with shot clock points not being a caution in one anymore, that shot clock point would not have put Molinaro ahead. So, and Molinaro mm -hmm. was obviously very upset after the match. And, um, you know, I can see where he's coming from there for sure. I'm, I, I understand it. But, man, to me, Jason Chamberlain, very savvy. But ultimately, this is James Green's weight. And I don't... I would be really surprised to see that go three matches. Um, I think that's Green's series to win. Yeah, and familiarity. There, right, they're right? training uh, partners. Chamberlain used to train there. Um, yeah, I thought I, I could I could understand Frank's frustration, but I thought Chamberlain, or I thought exactly what he did. I thought he stayed in there and fought and did what he had to do. Was it? I, I mean, he played the game. Yeah. Uh, Imar, okay, here, here's my question for you guys with Isaiah Martinez. He smashed through the open. He smashed Nazar in two matches, 13 to 2, both, both times. Is, is this Imar is wrestling at an extremely high level, or is this he is supposed to smash Dan Valamar and Nazar Kolchitsky two times? He's supposed to take these guys. I have my opinion. I'm curious what you guys think. Is this the competition, or is this... Um, Imar looking fantastic. I think Imar looks fantastic. I think it's a combination of both. I, obviously, it's not the greatest competition in the world, but Nazar is clearly better than Dan Valamont. Yes. And um, has had success at international tournaments. And, I mean, he, no problem whatsoever. His offense looks great. Uh, it's really unique. Um, he works continues to work out of that underhook, but he'll chase that far ankle, and we even saw him go to that high cross, cut to a double, right into that lace, too. Um, so I'm very impressed yeah. with how Imar looked. To me, I think this is all about Imar. I think Imar looks amazing. Um, I mm -hmm. think freestyle really suits him. I think his underhook is really well-suited for freestyle, and I think seeing him attack both sides really efficiently, Nazar Kolchitsky is darn good, guys. And to see him just no issue, no factor, 13-2. Um, I'm not talking crazy. I'm not talking Burroughs, but he's clearly the second-best guy at 74 right now, and I would love to see how a Dake Imar match will go this time around. And I'd love to see him against Ringer, too. I think Imar's wrestling as well as we've seen him. So I kind of agree with Kyle, combination of both, but to me, I was blown away with how good Imar looked. And um, I, I, Yeah, I think he jumped, I think he jumped levels, even from even from the college season, I think he's, I, you know, you can't take too much from social media, but 
he, his social media, he's doing he's doing things right. He's having fun with it. He's training hard. He's putting everything into it. Um, and I think I think you see that tangibly in his on the mat performance. Now I don't think I don't think he's going to beat Jordan, um, but I think he's a guy that like if you're looking this, if the question is. Is he just beating inferior competition, or did he get better, or is he wrestling a high level? I think he's a guy that goes overseas and beats top-ranked guys. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, okay, the talk of of the World Team Trials Week and maybe the week in general now is Zahid Valencia smashing Alex Daringer twice. Just no issue at all. Daringer was never close to scoring on this guy. I mean, he was never close. Mm-hmm. And I thought the hips of Daringer and his strength would, would make the finishing tough. Not at all. I mean, he got to that double, ran his feet, finished on him twice, really, or in each match. No, no problem whatsoever. I, man, I couldn't be more impressed. Now, my question is, how much does that impact, or how does that translate to a Dake match? I feel like it doesn't matter at all. I feel like it just says, yeah, he can wrestle with Dake, but you look at that matchup, I, I don't think it correlates, okay, he had a tough match with Daringer, therefore, because he smashed Daringer, edge, edge the heat. I don't believe that. I'm curious, um, which way you guys are leaning? Is everyone leaning Dake still, despite seeing what we saw with Zahid? And are we gonna feel stupid after Penn State uh, Final X, if Zahid wins, we're like, wait, all the evidence was there. Well, you know, we've seen this before. Sometimes, sometimes Dake has, a lot of times, Dake has close matches. A lot of times, Dake maybe wrestles to the level of competition. And so, when you see comparative scores, like, I don't know, what was it, 5 4, 5 5, or whatever, with Ringer at the open, and then Zahid goes and, and pummels um, Ringer. Do we take those comparative scores? I don't know if you can do that. I mean, when David Taylor was teching everybody, he still had beat Dake. Right. Um, so I could see a scenario where it's hard for me to believe that just about anybody can finish on Dake. I don't care how clean Zahid finishes on Ringer. Until you do it against Dake, it's hard for me to believe he will finish that clean because Dake is such a tough nut to crack with his defense and not being countered. So um, I could see a scenario where Zahid's taken shot after shot after shot, and maybe he gets one, but Gake stonewalls four, you know, four or five shots, and then on another one he forces. Yeah. I, I really, I think you could say this – plays right into Dake's hands. I think that strategy could. Or it could be Zahid is the next level leg attacker and he's going to find a way to Very well could be. Um, So I I think to me that's the most intriguing best two out of three and that'll be June 16th State College, Pennsylvania. Uh, I can't freaking wait for that one. Um, But yeah, hats off to Zahid Valencia. Runs through Alex Daringer who right before the match I said I thought Ringer should win this. Um, I thought there was too much strength, too good positionally. Dead wrong. Zahid is an absolute monster. And, you know, maybe one of the best guys in college wrestling right now uh, in terms of pound for pound. Nick Renan, <laughs> Nick Renan, 
probably the biggest surprise for me. I mean, yeah. he beat Joe Rao, who teched him at Farrell mm -hmm. not so long ago, and then controls and, and really was not moved around by Richard Perry, oh. which I thought, okay, Perry's going to be way too big for him. He's too dynamic. And it's pretty one-sided at the open, too. Yeah, I don't his favor. I didn't see that match, mm -hmm. but certainly, you know, you favored Perry going in there. I mean, the odds for him to win were out of this world. And Renan, to me, I just watching that the whole time, I was like, Nick Renan is a freaking savvy, smart wrestler. Just like mistake-free the entire time, 12 minutes against Richard Perry, who punishes mistakes routinely with four. Well, I mean, throws. I thought that, I thought that Perry um, didn't pull off, didn't pull the trigger a lot. Like it didn't look like typical Richard Perry's typically offensive, but maybe that's a lot of reading defense. Well, I like good positioning. I would say, I don't know, typically for me, I, I think Perry scores a lot of his holds off of like counters, throws, he hits crotch lifts, um, kind of capitalizing on others' mistakes. So I, I feel like Richard doesn't have like a go-to leg attack that he's super known for, even though, yes, we have seen it b before. Uh, and I think, man, you credit Renan, you credit Coach Papalizio for just having an airtight game plan against this guy that they went out and executed. Now, well, let's not talk crazy with David Taylor here, but man, the, the guy was maybe the biggest surprise. I don't, he might have been a bigger surprise than Zahid's dominance. I don't know. Uh, for me, I just did not see that coming. And this is a guy that went 0 2 in NCAAs a couple. Well, in, yeah, I didn't see it coming either. Now, I, I don't want to talk crazy. I like, I, I don't, there's no way he's beating Taylor. But for Renan, who's a first year senior, yeah, I, what's that? First year senior, uh, he, the, the win over Perry is very beneficial. I mean, he's gonna he's on the national team. He's right. gonna be in the camps. He's gonna get funding. That's that's uh, it's gonna be a really great summer for Nick Green. Really great experience for him. Yeah, he was outstanding. Okay, moving up, um, Zilmer takes out. Let's we, let's try to hurry up a little bit. Rochester here. is Hayden Zilmer. City, Ro by yeah, the way. if there was any doubt. Rage, Rochester is Hayden Zilmer State. That place went nuts for him during that. They, they got louder <laughs> for him than anyone Seriously, any that was the loudest it was all tournament when he was losing, got the takedown of gut to beat Duran in the second match. It was the loudest it was all weekend. That was a great match. Credit Duran win. He won a Bellator fight like a week week ago, and then he makes the challenge tournament finals. He looks solid, but Zilmer, really tough guy. And we'll, he'll have a rematch against Jaden Cox. Kyvin Gadsden, it was apparent to me as soon as the tournament began, like, different Kyvin yep. Gadsden than the one we saw at the Open, which is kind of unbelievable because it was like three weeks. But it didn't matter. I, you could just tell he looked to be in he – just, he looked leaner. Yep. He looked faster. He was more offensive. And I was like, man, Schaefer – I really felt like Schaefer didn't have a chance against him. Now, unfortunately, he got injured, and we couldn't see it. But Gadsden, Snyder, I mean, if you had to pick a match, that's probably the one you want to see, even though Kyle is clearly, clearly – surpassed him. Kyvin looked great, as good as I'd seen him since his NCAA championship for Iowa State back in 2015. And then Kuhn, for a heavyweight, was maybe one of the more intriguing weights. He had Gable Stevenson coming through there. He texts Tanner Hall again. He has the 4-4. He beats Don Bradley. Pair of leg attacks. Takedowns there. Took and him down this time. Yeah. Last time it was just, I think, Took him down twice, I think. Step out. Yeah, he did. 
Took him down right away. Then Dom doubled him. Beautiful double leg by Dom Bradley. My goodness. And then a late takedown from Gable Stevenson in one of the more exciting matches of, of the whole thing. And then a 4-4 loss to Tony Nelson. He got forward out of bounds. And that was ultimately the difference in that match. Um, or we could have seen him against Goon Coon in the two out of three. But, man, you, you leave Rochester thinking there wasn't anyone beating Adam Coon that yeah. weekend. Um, do you, I mean, what's the chances? What do you give Coon versus Gliz? I think it's one of the more – I mean, they're all intrigued. Five left is going to be awesome. But no. I, I really like the Coon-Gliz matchup. I, I'm – Someone asked, and we can get to, get to some of the questions, like which returning medalist is going to have the toughest? Uh, it was Chaboy, <laughs> Power Half Giraffe asked. You haven't asked FRL questions yet, but I'm going to ask one anyway. Which returning world medalist is going to have the toughest time making it through Final X? A lot of people saying Gilman, and while I think that could be that could definitely be the right answer, that may be my second choice. I mm-hmm. I think it's Quiz. I think the way Kuhn is wrestling right now, I I think. We're gonna look. We're looking a little too much into Gwizdowski's wins over Kuhn in folk style. That was in 2015. These were years where he was losing to tie walls and people of that nature. This is a different, clearly a different Adam Kuhn. He's he is improved. The same year that he lost to Gwiz in the NCAA semis, he was handled by Kyle Snyder that year in the Big Ten finals. Fast forward to this year, those were knockdown dragouts, and I know he's so much bigger. He was way bigger than Kyle then. I think Kuhn has jumped levels as a wrestler, and I think he might be my pick straight up against Gwizdowski. I don't think it's just the toughest time making the team. You could talk me into Kuhn being the favorite right now to, to represent America. Yeah, yeah, I like every aspect of his game. Um, he can be offensive. He can counter. He's good positionally. He has, he's smart. He doesn't go for stuff he shouldn't. Um, I, I think it's and he's humongous. Yeah, he's he's completely humongous. Um, all right, so that's all of Junior World Team Trials. I don't know if we want to get to a couple questions and then then depart. Um, let me see here. If you eliminated returning medalists, asks Eric Bush, which final Xers, Fix, Chamberlain, Imar, et cetera, do you like best to medal at those weights if they upset the medalist? Kuhn makes a team, so it's a little similar. How much do you see the difference? Da, da, da. This is like five questions, Eric. Just one, one oh at a time. Eric. And his name is Eric Bush. He's a great Twitter guy, yeah. by the way. But it's, his name is Eric Bush, and then his handle is Eric underscore shrubbery. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think um, fix right. I think it's Dayton, right? Yeah. Dayton. Although, I, actually, I I might say Coon. I might say Coon in this in this scenario. I think he's got the best shot. Um, just the nature of heavyweight compared to 57 kilograms. It's not really a, a fix versus coon mm-hmm. thing. It's more, yep. I look at heavyweight here and I look at heavyweight, or I look at 57, and I just think it'd be a little tougher for Dayton. Um, so, yeah, that's how, I, uh, that's how I view that one. If Zahid goes 184, asks Anthony Santoro, the West Coast wankster, <laughs> who you got, him or Bo? I got Zahid. Zahid. I mean, we watched it, right? I mean, it, it was 20, shoot, 15 or 16. People forget that, though. People forget. Don't forget. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't Zahid, forget. he beat him twice. I think it's a really tough matchup. I think Zahid's better than Miles. I think Zahid's 
I would give him the edge over Bo. Um, maybe Bo wants to. Well, I, it's rumored that Bo might be going up. I don't think that's. To me, that makes no sense. And I heard Bo's too small, so to me, that's just silly fodder. Um, but yeah, I got Zahid. Willie, who who you got? Uh, I'll go Zahid right now. Yup, yup. Okay. Um, I think that's good. Oh, Casey Kreider, an NFL <laughs> player for a Denver Bronco asks uh, or says wrestling runs in the family in your opinion what separates family brothers dual, dual success like brands the williams brothers perry's or greater disparity valencia st john dake no disrespect to anyone but curious uh to your thoughts um i have a i mean to me not all brothers are created equally i say that as um, a vastly inferior athlete to my middle brother, <laughs> Weston. I don't know why. My middle brother, so me and my youngest brother, Ryan, I think we're probably given like a pretty similar like athletic skill set, right? Um, but my brother is just inherently was better at every sport along the way. He's better at baseball. He's better at basketball. We all did the same sports growing up, and he was better at all of them. He's more athletic. He is faster more explosive etc i just think brothers are just some are different and then i think there is a mentality difference yeah. in some like kyle dake is a uniquely wired individual right and i i think that's a part of it too um and then i think some are just like the brands brothers they're just very similarly athletic i mean they're twins which they basically have the same body in general but i think they're they're wired similarly so i think some of it is like some brothers just are, are born with more physical gifts, but then I think there's a, a mentality difference on top of it. Um, but, I mean, shoot, who knows what, why is Michael Jordan's kid not good at basketball, or like relatively speaking, right? I don't know. There's, it's a great question. I don't know if Willie has any theories. I, I mean, they're all, they're all different. I would defer, Casey Trader is a Denver Bronco. Yeah. Okay, so he, he spent a lot of time in Colorado. I would defer my answer to Mrs. Feinsilver, <laughs> <laughs> who is also in Colorado. Yes, yes. Some, yeah, Colorado's brothers. Who knows what's going on out there? But yeah, I, I don't know what they. I feel like we should run this this question back. Casey, try to remind. I feel like Nomad would have a scorching hot yes, take here. Absolutely. Oh, no. the, the, there, there is no question that Nomad's take. Me, would, yes. We would, we would be furious. Whatever he's, I'm sure. Christian, you know, this is the first for the first time in FRL history. I think we have to re-ask this question next week. Yeah. Nomad's on. So the question is so good, Casey, that we have to ask it twice because Nomad's take is calling going, the expert. It's gonna blow, blow out, blow him out of the water. Um, so with that, I guess it's time to go. I mean, shoot, it's, it's, it's 9.19. Um, everything's a little janky for like, so we're in this new setup here, but this is um, not permanent. This will be for like, I don't know, two weeks or so or however long it takes to um, get the new studio situation going. We'll have a full Skype thing, but for right now, we're just calling in Willie. There's gonna be a couch scenario here, I'm told, by uh, our man Efren Salinas. Um, so yeah, this is a little different. We can't go live on the site. There's a couple little restrictions, but you know, it's okay for the long-term payoff. Yeah. It's gonna be good. Still live on Facebook. Still live on Facebook. Shout out to Zuckerberg there. And um, with that, 
we will say goodbye. Thank you to ASICS for your support. Thank you for your sponsorship of Flow Wrestling Radio Live and your, your support of wrestling and wrestlers. Um, we will be back next Tuesday, Thursday, excuse me, two days from now. We should have the full compliment. Willie will be here. Not here, here, mm -hmm. but right there over my shoulder. Nomad will be back. They got stuff. They're still in Rochester. Um, I'm hoping they don't move there. They could. Though. They could. Yeah. They really liked Rochester. Yeah. I really liked Rochester. Shout out to Rochester. Shout out to you. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>